Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. You put a blanket on the fire. Well, welcome everyone to the Vici Mundum Show. Glad to have you back uh, whenever you're listening, morning, evening, or nighttime. Um, today I have with me Austin Farenholt, Hello, folks. our Director of Mission, and I'm Ken White, the Youth Minister. And we have a special guest with us today. We have Sean Forrest, Hello. who hails from Nashville, is a missionary from Nashville. I'll keep it short and sweet. Maybe, Sean, do you want to talk a little bit more about what that means, a missionary that from Nashville? That does sound kind of weird, a missionary from Nashville. I go out <laughs> to all the nightclubs and sing uh, songs to rescue those who can't sing well in Nashville. That's what <laughs> <laughs> So you're at a wow, key. I need to statement. rescue you right now. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it just means I'm a missionary in Haiti who lives in Nashville because uh, I do – I do the corporal works of missionary work, so I go out and you know we, and feed the poor of Haiti, and we run a mission there, Haiti 180. But um, I also speak, spread the gospel, and so it's a nice local, what no central spot for me to be able to get around the country nice and easy. So, plus I've been to music my whole life, so it's not a bad spot to hang. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Do you ever do you ever play around Nashville at all? I don't. I don't. I. Um, Maybe I will. I'm, I'm actually going back in the studio, but I do more um, being hired to go out and play like churches and, and halls and things like that or uh, more like that. But trying to write more music that will allow me to enter more into the bars to find those who are stuck in the bar because believers already love the worship music they already need it so they don't need Sean Forrest writing more worship music we have that so I like to write a song that's a crossover song where it might mention God in it but also a beer so yeah. the guy's like hey I feel cool enough to sing this and then slowly that lets me get into a conversation with them afterwards so something mm. like that so that's that's kind of where I'm heading now but yeah, so awesome. it will be a mission field for me there Nice, yeah, nice, yeah. as you continue to write music. Although I got to tell you one side note. I'm friends with a lot of priests because of what I do, but uh, it's really fun. There's a priest named Father Louis Morosny. He's a, he's a, he speaks in America, but he's in Haiti, and he's the co-founder of the mission with me. And I brought him downtown Nashville. He's wearing his collar there. And the people just didn't know it. To, they're like, uh, first of all, because it's really uh, – it's a big Protestant town, right? You know, you know, yeah, uh, the Bible Belt. Boom, yeah. Bible Belt. And all of a sudden there's a Haitian priest with a collar, and he just became a rock star. <laughs> Every, every, everybody came over to him and they're like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a priest. You're a Catholic priest? Yeah. And, and, and literally people wanted autographs or getting their picture with them, trying to buy him drinks. He's like, I'm good. Thank you. you know? And then it was interesting because some people were like, I used to be Catholic. Mm. And then all of a sudden you'd see him like for a half an hour and then he'd be hearing a confession in a bar. Wow. Oh, was wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm, that reminds me of uh, St. Dominic. I heard a story once that he went into a bar and uh, just started talking to this guy, um, you know, just casual conversation. And then next thing you know, he's out for like four or five hours. And yeah. this guy has this huge conversion coming back to the church, but going right in to the mess of, you know, people's lives. Right, because they're not going to come into the church. No, so yeah. you have to go out, right, into the mission field. Yeah. There's a lot of priests now, they'll go to the malls and just put up a sign hearing confessions and sit on a bench in a mall and be listening to confessions. And just wait. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes I've read of like lines showing up, people going, you know, I'll go. It's Christmas. I'll go. So it's like, 
you know, I kind of think that's where we have to be now. Wow. Go out to the masses. That's giving me chills. Cool? Um, and it actually makes me think of, of the story we were discussing a little bit earlier about the, the demoniac that Jesus heals. Mm. Um, because here he is, uh, you know, making loud noises and naked and beating himself against rocks. And, um, <clears throat> and then Jesus comes and heals him and, and, he wants to follow Jesus and Jesus' response to him actually in Luke chapter eight is, uh, is to go, is to return home. Um, and so just to, just to, um, read it out here, he says, the man from whom the demons had come out begged to remain with him, but he sent him away saying, return home and recount what God has done for you. The man went off and proclaimed throughout the whole town that Jesus, what Jesus had done Hmm. for him. Um, and that just makes, you know, we're talking about going where people are, and it, it almost seems like Jesus's command is now go go into these places um, and speak about me. Yeah, I don't think that command is supposed to stop. Hmm. You know, go out into the world, you know, and you know, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father. And those like we have to go out in order for them to come in. You know, because they're not knocking on the doors usually. So they first need to find Christ through us going out in twos or whatever or whatever it is, even our job. However, it is because how else? The, be honest with you, I'm in this church here, uh, St. Bede. It's beautiful. You'd never know it's here. Yeah, it's, it's hidden. Way, yeah. tucked way back. It's, it looks like something of a horror movie. Going through the woods, I'm like, where am I going here? <laughs> then all of a sudden, it opens up to this beautiful place. But how would somebody know to go to church here unless they were invited? Right, or go out. You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, do you have some experiences of that for yourself, like in in going out and kind of meeting people because you've traveled all over, so. It's so fun. The world is just such a awesome place to set up moments to talk God. So usually on planes, I usually, I'd mm. say 50% of the time I have a discussion on a plane with somebody about God. And um, I always carry an extra a book of mine about my conversion to the faith. And um, that's great. But even downtown in Nashville, I'll hang out. I'll be having a beer, talking. Eventually somebody's going to sit next to me. It just always happens. Hmm. And, and, um, you know, I have, you know, some people think it's controversial. I have this tattoo on my arm. It says, intake and feed away. So Jesus, I trust in you. So people ask, what's that mean? I say, oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Oh, you're a Christian? I am. I haven't been to church for a long time. Then it leads right into it. And it's a great place to do ministry there. The homeless there, a great place to, to hmm. minister to people. Um, so, you know, every city has that homeless population, but it's pretty neat just to, you know, somebody say, hey, can you give me a dollar for a hot dog? It's like, yeah, but can I pray with you first? Mm. You know, just it's, you know, and some people might be like, yeah, but just I want that dollar. But some people will forget about the dollar after the prayer and just be in tears, you know, and say, mm. you know, you can come to church. You know, if I can digress for a second, often people have me come and speak to men's groups. And this sounds horrible, but I hate men's groups. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I, and I throw that out just for the shock value. But for me, I've often found, like, I used to get invited to them. And I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, I just can't go there anymore. She's like, why? And I go, because it's usually a bunch of guys sit around with a cigar, talking mm. Chesterton. We'd like whiskey, and they're like, you know, I read this, and I read this, and I read this, you know, and I, that's interesting. And so everybody's showing their intellect. They're like, isn't that incredible? Excellent. Then they go home. And I'm like, 
Uh, maybe, maybe once in a while. It's great. You're all brilliant. You're geniuses. And it's, we're manly men because we smoke cigars. <laughs> and drink whiskey. And drink whiskey. Shit, right. Yeah. And it has to be whiskey, right? Yeah. If you, well, if, yeah, yeah, if nice you ask bourbon. for a white wine spritzer at a men's thing, you know, that could be, yeah. You're kicked uh, out. You're kicked out by some. <laughs> um, so I say to guys, I go, do you, do you really want people to know God? I mean, it, it's great to have fellowship like that. Absolutely. So that part's awesome. But I say, if you want to be radical, find that guy who holds that sign and says, we'll work for food. And say, instead of working for food, will you come join our men's group? Hmm. Hmm. And we'll feed you there. And somebody's got to pick him up. And I bet he'll say yes. Hmm. Some might say no. Fine. Then you move on. But you find that one person, start to befriend them, and then over time, see what happens. And I'm like, that's a men's group I'd want to go to. Not that the gospel is just watered down to feeding the poor, but it's a big part of it. Yeah. It's a big part. So if you have enough time to sit down with a bunch of guys and share this stuff, and you almost everybody knows it anyhow, you know, you get the guys. We've read every Scott Hahn book, and we just keep quoting it over and over again. It's like, great. But how about if you brought somebody in who's never heard anything like this? Yeah. Yeah. You don't know the gospel. Because then that's when faith gets real. You know, it's like just telling ourselves how much we know about God or a new insight. That's great. But if somebody's starving while you're still telling each other about the book you read, I think there's a problem there. Yeah. I often think God doesn't see your hands that well when you raise them up, pray unless they're calloused and a little bit beat up Mm. from service to others. And again, I'm not watering down the gospel to be, just be nice to people, right? Salvation of souls, confession, the sacraments, all of that, but to go out to love and serve the Lord. So in that time, if all you have time for is your men's group, but that's not doing something to lead other people to Christ, I would, I personally wouldn't want to be a part of that men's group. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's interesting because that's basically what, uh, um, I mean, what you're saying is kind of what Jesus did. Like he had a men's group, essentially, 12 guys he walked around with, but everything he did was centered on encounter. There were right. teaching moments, you know, that he went out and stood on top of a hill, preached to everybody. But then he let himself get distracted by every encounter. Yes, you know, exactly. the woman at the well, That's here right. he is alone, yeah. and here's a lady, just, you know, uh, a sinner, somebody who's an outcast of society, and he just enters into conversation right then, right, right there, you know? And that's what, that's what Jesus is all about, is that encounter. Right. And I love who, what you're talking about. Who touched about. me? Yeah. <laughs> the power went out for me. Like, who, who cares? Let's go on. We got work to do. And that's they right. have no clue. Like, there's, this is going to be a gospel moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people yeah. 2,000 years later are going to see this because he knew to stop and enter into that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also it just makes me think – uh, the woman at the well, too, and, and also the, uh, the demon- demoniac um, that Ken was talking about, that they, they immediately have this kind of 180, you know? It's like they get set on fire. They have an encounter. And like you were saying with uh, inviting somebody who has a sign-up to come to your men's group, that they'll probably say yes. Why? Because they've had a human encounter. Mm. And so here's a woman at the well that she's got a human encounter with God as man, and she was an outcast. And the gospel is amazing if you read into it. She turns around and goes back into her village where she was an outcast and starts preaching. And people believe in her. Somebody who they awesome? probably never yeah. listened to, they That's believe right. in her. Right. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. incredible? Yeah. And I, what, I, I'd be curious of your thoughts, Sean, just that, that kind of fear that, that we can have sometimes, mm-hmm. I think, today in um, and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. What do I have to give? to anybody oh man will you indulge me for a second let me see yeah. if i can do this real quick i i put a post up i don't usually do this but i put a post up um on a, a social media channel 
Nice. And it deals exactly with what you were just saying. Let me just pull this up real quick. Um, can we have background music while I'm doing this? <laughs> Preferably <laughs> my music. <laughs> that should be up for $19.99. Here it is. So I put this up. Um, oh, come on. Are right. you on Instagram? It's is that where you're doing it? Because the, there's no service down here. Oh, yeah. I was having um, that problem a minute ago. But basically it said, it, if you really want to carry your cross, uh, stay faithful to the teachings of Christ through his church and proclaim the gospel to others, to them personally. Um, I said, when people applaud for you for your pious deeds, you can be sure that your reward in heaven is gone. But if they insult you and persecute you for Christ, you're usually on track at that point. Mm. And I said... Our leaders, from the top on down to us lay people, we've all become petrified with fear, especially because of social media, of being called out on something or, you know, too much Jesus stuff. And it's made us all revert back to junior high and being that kid sitting in the cafeteria. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be laughed at. I don't want to be mocked. And the devil loves fear. It cripples everything. It stops so much growth, fear, wanting to be liked here instead of uh, worrying about uh, doing the right thing. So, so many apostolates, so many opportunities for people to grow in faith, get crippled because of that fear. Mm. Just even, even husbands and wives, when I talk to husbands, I'm like, pray with your wife. Man, I can't, I'll just feel stupid. I'm like, you're afraid. Mm. That fear is just destroying your marriage because you won't pray with your wife. Have a talk with your daughter. Talk to her about chastity. Learn about it. First of all, read and fill your mind with the knowledge so that you as a father can share it with your daughter. And like, I don't know if I could talk to my daughter. I'm like, if you can't talk to your daughter about it, I guarantee you there's a lot of people telling her stuff that's not good. And they're not afraid to tell her. And the devil's totally excited about your fear so that he can just feast on your daughter while you sit there um, doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, You know, so yeah, fear is just crippling. Which is kind of narcissistic in a way too that, you know, that, well, I can't, I can't do that because what will she think of me or I'll look dumb, you know, when it's like, well, you're missing, this is a human person. Yeah. Your daughter, your wife, your husband, whoever it is, that's a human person that, uh, that was made it made by love for love. Mm. And so anytime you pass it up out of fear, not only are you missing an opportunity to encounter God inside that person, but you're also missing an opportunity to experience the Holy Spirit moving through yourself. And so you just... I mean, it's like you just cut off all avenues of grace. Yeah. I remember I was doing a, a concert. It was actually the day Pope John Paul died. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I had invited the bishop to come out, and we were just going to do kind of like they do at the conferences, a moment to s- just pray for vocations and ask anybody to come forward who's feeling called. And I had some people, a couple of priests, a couple of lay people say, D- don't do this because it could be embarrassing to the church. It's not a good time because what if nobody goes forward? Hmm. And what was really cool is the bishop heard them saying that to me. And he goes, but how cool if we create room for the Holy Spirit to do something wonderful here? Hmm. And he's like, don't be afraid, Pope John Paul. And it was the coolest part of the concert. Wow. Like people even forgot I was singing. Because <laughs> something really cool and anointed happened in that moment because right? hmm. we didn't let fear Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I find even too, like when it comes to going out and preaching the gospel, 
Like it's, it's a lot easier for me to go to the youth group and talk about Jesus than it is to go to my neighbors in the apartment complex where I live and talk about Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and some of that is just the natural, I think, awkwardness. Like I have a role here at the church, therefore it's expected that I talk about mm. Jesus. But I also think you're right. I mean, it's this fear, this, like, what will they say? What right. will they think of me? They'll, they'll just think I'm eighth grade lunchroom, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you yeah. say then to someone who has that encounter, wants to speak about Christ but is nervous, is fearful. I mean, how, you know, do you just do it? You just move past it? I mean, what, what would you say? First, I'd encourage them to say, how cool that you're even upset about this and afraid. How many people don't even care? (laughs) But God's watching you struggle. At at least you're trying. Most people wouldn't even enter into that. So at least you're letting yourself, now you're the water boy. You're almost in the game. Right? You're the water boy. That's not bad, right? You're getting there, right? Um, so I guess it would depend on the individual too. I just remind everybody, honestly, one of the motivators is like heaven and hell. Okay. Listen, you had a guy who died for you and there are souls at stake. And when you get to heaven, you're going to see them with the same amount of love that you have for your own children. Um, are you going to let somebody else steal them away? Um, God made you, created you for this moment in time. You're not an accident. He willed that you be alive this moment in time in history to be a witness of his love to the world. And if you're nervous now, how about when we stand before the saints and angels? Hmm. Especially the guys like, hey, uh, I got beheaded. What did you do? Well, I was nervous about telling an eight-year-old to come to mass. It's like, <laughs> come on, Bill. Suck it up a little bit, okay, man? Well, when you put it like that, Sean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just, just that, that kind of thing. But also it's like, you know, just what is happening in your heart to make you so afraid um, and keep you distant from God? Because I, I don't think – when you truly encounter God, like truly, and let him into those places into your heart that you can help from sharing the gospel. Hmm. So I'd be like, what's broken? What happened? Like, why are you embarrassed of Jesus? Because talk, I, the eighth grade lunchroom thing comes up. It's fascinating because that person's treating Jesus like that kid who got picked on. Hmm. Hey, I'm nice to him privately, but I'm not going to sit with him in the cafeteria. <laughs> no way. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, so you are ashamed of Jesus. Why? What's going on? Do you really believe this? Do you really believe God is Jesus, that he died for you and rose, and that this is an actual reality? Or is this something nice you're doing to pass the time with in hopes that maybe there's a hocus-pocus God up there? Hmm. Uh, You know, because we have so much of that treating Jesus like the the nerd in eighth grade cafeteria stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find it often uh, that that we might – that there's – kind of an ease when you're outside of the situation to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, my wife and I, um, we, we both at one point were like, we were praying and saying, you know, we really want to reach out to our neighbors better. Um, we've got a lot of great neighbors and we just want to encounter them better uh, and be present to them. And then I remember it was, gosh, within a week of us praying that together, um, I went outside to do some work, and I had this long list of things I wanted to do. And neighbor after neighbor came up to talk to me. (laughs) And by the end, I was just so annoyed. Like, oh, my gosh, can't you see I'm trying to work? And all of you guys just keep coming up and wanted to talk to me just about whatever you're working on or whatever's going on in your life. And I don't care because I got this stuff going on. Mm. And then I, you know, I I was upset, frustrated, and then, like, went out back to hide from them, hoping that maybe a neighbor wouldn't find me in my backyard and just sat there and realized like, wow, I just, that was the opportunity that I just missed. 
You know, then we miss that, right? When then it, you're in church praying, Lord, when are you going to send me people I can minister to? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> my Lord, I'm ready. Here I am, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that joke, right? I sent, you, I sent you a canoe. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. The guy who's on yeah. his roof. You don't I'm know I'm waiting that? for God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, Jesus will save me. Dude, get in the boat. <laughs> yeah. And then I think right after that, Satan can cripple us and make us feel like we're a failure. Because we missed an opportunity. Right, the accuser. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But then it, I often talk about entering into stuff. Like whenever mm. you enter into the failures, you enter into the, the pain, you enter into the, the death of the dying person, that's when the greatest things happen. Mm. But we are so conditioned, especially mm. here in America, to run from any source of pain or un, being uncomfortable. Mm. It's funny. I'll have people say, when will God comfort me? And I'm like, when you get uncomfortable. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like that. Nobody uh-huh. gets uncomfortable. You're not allowed here. You got a headache, take a pill. You're hungry, fast food. You're bored, look at your phone. Mm. Dying of cancer, we got that too. We, got, we can make it painless for you. You're fine. Mm. Yeah. Um, no suffering. But, yeah. but if you want to, the, the reality is entering into that suffering is how you really get to know Christ. And it's so easy, I think, with all of our distractions. I just think about not just if you're bored, but even when you're slightly uncomfortable, either you're in someone's presence and they, you know, you don't know what to say next or whatever. It's sort of like the the automatic polite phone, <laughs> right? Like, right. like let me just let me just fill my mind with something or make right. it look like I'm busy because yeah. this suddenly got really uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Sean's done that many times talking to us during this podcast. Just right. We're <laughs> really awkward. You know it though. That, that's a great point. When people come on a mission with me over to Haiti, it's uh, really neat because they're like, well, what am I going to do? And you're like, you're going to hang out at this uh, elderly person's home. You're going to sit with this lady. Well, I don't speak the language. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Well, what am I? And they start wigging out. But what am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, just – and then they sit there and the person will grab their hand and just look and smile. And then the lady will – the Haitian lady will be singing a song and they, they'll say it was the, one of the greatest moments ever. They didn't have to say a word. They were just present to somebody being there for them. Wow. Um, so it's neat. But it's sad you have to go to a third world country where all electronics and everything's <laughs> gone for the distraction. But it's really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's that they entered into that moment, yes. right? Rather than trying to run, to escape it. Fear, <laughs> run, fear. Run away. Enter into the awkward. Yeah. And I love setting up uncomfortable moments for people because that's where the Holy Spirit is. What do you mean? <clears throat> all right. Here, you're going to laugh at me at this. That's okay. Excuse me. i got to clear my throat. <laughs> Excuse me. It's a good people. one coming, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to tell this tonight at the talk. Um, I had a group of kids um, from the West come out to Haiti with me, and they were from a high school group, seniors. And we're on the roof, and I asked them, uh, uh, the roof of the orphanage, and I always ask the kids, you know, where the, yeah, I like to find out, what do you believe? What don't you believe? This or that. And most of them struggled saying that they even believe in God. This is a Catholic high school. Wow. And I'd say 50% of them said they didn't believe in God anymore because the st- st- statistics show us the longer you stay in Catholic education, the more likely you are not to believe in God by the time you get out. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. About 80% of Catholics by the time they're 23 won't be Catholics anymore. Whoa. <clears throat> hmm. Um, That's scary. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what most kids tell me and young adults tell me in Catholic education in, in Catholic school is that Jesus was nothing more than a textbook. Oh, I and, see. And the teachers weren't on fire either because they, they they didn't have the joy of the gospel in their heart. It was a job. I'm going to teach you about the history of Christ, and we've forgotten to evangelize. But mm. that's a different topic. Yeah. Um, so 
so they came out and they're like, yeah, you know, the problem is if God was good, why does he let people suffer? And, you know, and uh, we heard that God was just like this mean God who like, you know, the, the crusades and you know, I just let him keep talking. So the next day I said, hey, I want to take you on a little trip. I, I know of a girl who's um, uh, really sick and I just want you to meet her. And they're like, huh, how sick is she? I'm like, you can't catch it. You're going to be fine. <laughs> so we walk. We walk about an hour. We go up on the side of the hill, and there's this old man out working his garden, and he's got this dilapidated little shack, and his daughter's in there laying on the floor. And I go up to him, and I say, hey, can we pray with your daughter? And he's like, thank you so much for coming. Yes. Wow, yes, please go inside. So we all walk in. So you can imagine this poor little Haitian girl and 20 white people walk in, kids in just circle her, and she's like, what? You know, she's on a hill. How often has she ever seen a, a white person walk in? So we come right. in, and I said, your dad said it's okay if we pray with you. So she pulls the sheet over her head, like, I don't want to see you people. And everybody's standing there in a circle around her, all like this, shoulder to shoulder. It's a dirt floor. There's a termite nest over in the corner, just a mm. horrible thing. And the girl's about 14 years old, their age. And they're like, is she sick? I'm like, oh, she's dying. Yeah. And they're like, she's dying? I'm like, yeah. Well, can she go to a hospital? I'm like, there isn't one. I'm like, well, all right, well, what do we do? And everybody just stood there, and I don't say a thing because I like to create uncomfortable moments, uncomfortable moments. <laughs> so they look at me and I'm just looking back I'm like then one girl goes um should we pray I'm like oh you could pray I'm like maybe we should pray you guys do you want to pray they're like pray can we pray I'm like you can pray I'm like <clears throat> so they do the typical Hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee blessed amen like whew, good we solved mm-hmm. the world's problems awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so I just stare at them more and they're like are we done I'm like are you done and they're like, uh, I'm like, she's dying. I'm like, we could pray more. So then they went to our father. And once they exhausted all the form prayers that they knew, then it got really uncomfortable because I'm still standing there like, do we pray more? And that's usually when the Holy Spirit gives that little tug I was talking about with you guys mm-hmm. earlier about, are you going to enter it, enter into that or not? And it's great for me because I get to see these moments. And this girl kneels down next to her and puts her hand on her shoulder. And she goes, Dad, please don't let this girl die. Hmm. Or at least help her. And what I didn't know, the backstory was her father had died and hmm. she hadn't really dealt with it all or ever talked to her dad. You know, just my dad's gone. I'm angry. I don't believe anymore. Now she's praying and asking for the intercession of her father for this girl, which oh. touched the hearts of her classmate. And then they all knelt down. Hmm. Then they all just put hands on her without me telling to lay hands. And then the girl that they're praying for brought down the... Um, the sheet from her head and just started watching them. And then they all started crying and just started praying for her. Then the father came in and saw this and he started weeping. And then he started just praising God really loud. And he started laying hands on those kids. And he was saying, God, thank you. You haven't forgotten my family. If she lives or dies, at least I know that you hear my prayers and this beautiful thing happens. They leave. Then before they leave, they get out their cell phones. They're taking pictures with the girl smiling with her. I don't say a word. And then we walk all the way back to the orphanage. We go on the roof. We sit there, and there were no atheists um, because, <laughs> be, because of suffering. Mm. They said that we encountered God in that suffering because they Whoa. entered into the suffering. They didn't run from it. Uh, it's amazing when you create an uncomfortable moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to do something, how often some one person will just grab onto it. Mm. But we're even in the church, we're afraid for uncomfortable moments. Yes. Wouldn't it be really cool, like, if parishioners got together and honestly went door to door, just did what the Jehovah's Witness did. They're booming. Yeah. Mormons are booming because they're doing the work. We think that our music's powerful enough to drag people in. 
We think the homily of the pastor is powerful enough to drag them in. Or, or the beauty of the building, that'll bring them in. And it does, some of them. But for the majority, they're sitting at home and they're lonely and they're wounded, they're lost. And they need, like you said, that face-to-face um, and the courage of pe- Think about it. We're afraid to go door-to-door and yeah. ask people. We're afraid to be at the mall and see somebody crying and say, can I help you? Yeah. If How do you build a church if you're afraid to even do that? We're afraid to even proclaim the gospel sometimes even in church. Water it down because the people will be offended. I'm like, no, the, their whole lives are watered down. Hmm. Christ crucified, love, sin, heaven, hell, bring that, something different, and watch what happens. But the devil thinks by keeping everybody fearful and worried about what everybody thinks, then, then at least we can kind of wishy-washy people into the church. And I'm like, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a bold example of love um, in, in being present to people. That door-to-door thing, I'd love to see a church do that. But they won't. Most won't. Yeah. Well, uh, you, somebody could get hurt. I'm like, now you're talking. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Jesus says, if you love me, right, they'll beat you. They'll drag you before courts. It's like, say, you're going to get rich. It's not yeah. the prosperity gospel. It means, who is it? Is it Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Oh, I forgot. Who said it? He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him, come die with me. Mm. I mm. forget who said that. Uh, but what a powerful statement. Yeah, that's amazing. Die with me from love, not being silly and stupid. Mm. But like, I'm going to keep telling you how much Christ loves you, even if it takes my life. Mm. You know, what you're saying is like, that's that's just the rawness of the gospel, I think. That, mm. that Like you're saying, it gets so watered down. Like, how many times do we read Acts of the Apostles and hear about uh, Stephen being martyred or Paul being stoned to the point where they thought he was dead, um, being shipwrecked, and just say, well, that's a nice story. Right. Yeah. Well, well, that just right. brings me right back to that the the demoniac, right? Like in Luke, because he it's it's really an incredible. If you think about it, it's it's quite disturbing what's going on, yeah. right? <laughs> like yeah. here's this guy that's like moving around. I mean, talk about a horror movie. He's moving around all these tombstones, you know, screaming out and 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 naked, you know. And it's just like how's it put? It says. Um, they sailed to the territory of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When he came ashore, a man from the town who was possessed by demons met him. For a long time, he had not worn clothes. He did not live in a house, but lived among the tombs. Um, and later it says he had uh, the spirit had t- taken hold of him many times and used to be bound with chains and shackles as a restraint, but he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into s- deserted places. Like, that's horrifying. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> and that's messy, and that's break like his, imagine I breaking chains <laughs> and Jesus like, walking up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crazy part is Jesus shows up, and that's like where he goes. Right, he he sails to the territory, and then and then goes to when he when the guy saw Jesus, he runs to him, and he doesn't. Jesus doesn't run away, does he? Don't you hope in heaven we get to see these? episodes how did mm. it really go down <laughs> what was everybody doing yeah. like where were the disciples hiding run dude you go for no right. Were they right with like what went down with that conversation right. is jesus gonna talk, go talk to him oh no jesus i'd even respond and say sean just from that story i think you've seen it and i think that that's what we're called is to see it uh maybe not exact you know not with the exact same characters but the same story like gets played over and over again when you enter into that home 
and and you you have that awkward situation with all those kids there that mm. you know that you're just standing and waiting. What's Jesus going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, how's it going to work? Right. This this hurts. This is uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, I don't like it. But what do we? You know, what do we do? Right. And that's that that story that we read in the gospel. The demon, demon, demoniac. I can't say that word. <laughs> what? The demoniac. I, I say demoniac too. The possessed it's just dude. Pontiac demoniac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's incredible just to enter right into that is, is beautiful. I love that, that phrase that to use enter in. Yeah. I say it all the time. Um, especially uh, often people have me come and talk about, uh, the, how can you believe in God with so much suffering going on? And, and I'm not a martyr, but I've had, I've had loss, you know, I've, 12 of my children mm. were miscarried. I've lost mm. two brothers, my father and in the country of Haiti. And I was abused as a kid, like just a lot of things have happened to me. And so I explained to them all these horrible things that happened to me have led me so that you're hearing the gospel right now and you have a joy in your heart. You've never had before. Would you, would you have me take back? And would you, have my past changed so that you didn't get to hear it? And they're like, no, I like where I'm at. I'm like, then praise God. Yeah. You know, mm. it's that entering into it instead of running away. That's beautiful. And would you say that's, that's been a, a huge grace for you is entering into those tough moments for you. And then, and then that's what's sort of in a sense been your, your rocket towards preaching, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, just so you know, I, I never do it easily. Hmm. It's, it's always scary. Jesus entering to the cross, he was scared. Yeah, he sweat blood. It's not like, but when you do it in that in that place is where you see the beauty. So I mean, I, I think it's it's weird. It's given me a, a topic to talk about that few do. It's like um, not being afraid to suffer, or when it happens that if you if you if you want to do well, you have to really embrace that cross and enter into it. Um, because otherwise, then you're just this panicking, fearful thing running around mm. like a chicken with his head cut off. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever been with somebody when they're dying or been right with them or at that mm. moment. It's like this grace, this peace, just like God gives you what you need at the moment. Mm. And, it, and I don't have it down. I've I've seen it. But still at the beginning, I'm like, Lord, no, no. But then I, I enter him. Like yeah. when my father was passing away, I... Uh, uh, right there with us. We're all surrounding him. You know, I have seven brothers, one sister, and, you know, mm. the nephews and nieces were around him. He, he, just the day before he was fine, he was diagnosed with acute onset leukemia. He died 22 hours later. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So they were going to try something to, to help his kidneys from stop shutting down. It wasn't working. So, like, he's going to die soon. So I had to go out and tell my mother and wheel her in. And I said, what can I can I do the honor of wheeling you in so that you can pray your husband in the arms of Christ? And she's like, he's gonna die. I'm like, he's gonna. And so I wheeled her right in, and she was just kind of sitting there. So I grabbed her hand, put her hand in his hand. Mm. I was like, talk to him, mom. Let's pray. And then, you know, we all just kept saying things like, thank you, dad. We love you. Thank you. And and then we started praying a hail mary as his blood pressure was going down. It started mm. to come up. And then and then he died. And long story short. I sat there with my dad for a while, and then when they they everybody left, I was the last one to leave. And then when I came out, there was a doctor who was in charge of that wing, the ICU, and he just came up and he hugged me. Hmm. And he had tears. I go, Are "You okay?" And he's like, "I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen a father wow. so honored like you did." And he's like, "I haven't talked to my dad in a long time, and I'm calling him today." <laughs> oh my wow. gosh! And so in the in, I just love how angry Satan must be. 
to steal his joy of thinking we're going to be horrified and lost in the moment of death because if if this is all true there is no death so right the the what's what's he what's he say um you know the 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 tormentor has lost his greatest tool Hmm. right The, the emperor has lost his weapon if death can't hurt us anymore. What do you got? What can? Right. <laughs> wow. yeah. yeah. Death wears thou sting. Yeah. That's awesome. So don't, don't, I mean, I think the ultimate message of our whole conversation is, uh, be not afraid, <laughs> enter in yeah. and, uh, and let the Holy spirit work in that moment, in that suffering. And you're going to need the Eucharist. You're going to need confession. You're going to need your scripture and you need to know Christ. Um, I don't know him perfectly. I sin. I go to confession every week and I'm not proud of that. It's just, it's confession's my best friend. I need it. But that will give you the grace to help you enter in. Cause if you try to do it on your own, you just can't really, you're just not strong enough. We really need Jesus to do it. It's like, uh, people have said, look at the orphanage because you entered in, look at what you've done. I said, all I've ever done in my life is break all the 10 commandments by my own will. That's all I've ever <laughs> that's done. That's all I've done. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's right? so true. Uh, even our mm. greatest deeds are but filthy rags before the Lord. Mm. Yeah. So everything good you see is because of God's mercy working through a sinner. What's, what's the great line there? It's like, if the Lord can't find a colt, he'll use an ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Sean, for those, those thoughts um, and sure. sharing those stories and, sure. and allowing us to enter in a little bit to your experience and your suffering. Um, do you want to, do you want to briefly mention like some of the work you do the Haiti 180 and sure. We have uh, a orphanage, a school, medical clinic, homes for the elderly. And we love to bring people over to do manual labor, but mostly relational, hmm. um, really hanging out with people. We have interpreters. So we ask people to come over, share their faith. Don't panic. You don't, and everybody doesn't have to do that. I mean, sharing your faith can be just sitting with an old lady, holding her hand and letting her know she's not alone. Hmm. It's a beauty. And it, I've seen the biggest, toughest guys say, Hey, can I do that instead of lifting the rocks? Because that was incredibly yesterday. I'm like, there you go. Cause that's nice. actually the better part. In fact, the Haitians go, they're always lifting things. When will they come talk to us? Wow. Hmm. That's they want relationship. So I do that, and then I go out around the country in America and sing and do concerts to raise money for it and proclaim the gospels to people. And I am not a saint; I'm a sinner. Um, and um, you know, Psalm fifty-one, right? Restore me, O Lord, so I can go out and tell the people of your mighty deeds and who you are. Um, so if they go to seanforce.com, they can book me to speak or do a concert for them. Or if they ever want to come on mission, learn more about it. Just Haiti180.com. So the country Haiti180.com. Okay. Excellent. Thanks, Sean. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Excellent. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, thanks for joining us today and listening to us and our, and our conversation. And I, I pray that it was it's as fruitful as, as our listeners as it is to me. So thank you, Sean, for that. And um, definitely, please, if you get the chance, rate our podcast and um, send us a review or send us an email, um, vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. You can always check us out at our website, vichimundum.com. Dot com. And uh, until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call to new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you. Are they going to have to spell Vici? Probably not. That's that's why we have like no followers. You know.